The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those, who were, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets. Invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Beloved family of God, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It's kind of a doozy of a parable that Jesus has for us this week, right? I'm going to be honest with you, more than twice this week, I considered just scrapping the gospel reading and preaching on the green pastures and still waters of Psalm 23. Be a nice, lovely time to gather together. It was tempting, but... As we dive into this parable, I think we begin to see a way in which it relates powerfully to our lives and in the ways that we live out our faith. So we have Jesus telling a parable today of a king who's throwing a wedding banquet for his son, a royal wedding of sorts. But like most royal weddings, there's a bit of spoken and unspoken dress code. And it may be curious for what the rules may have been for the most recent royal wedding that we had between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle in 2018. So here are some of the dress codes that were in place for that wedding. Men obviously had black tie, most formal, highest regard. Women, there were a few more rules for you. You can't wear black, white, or cream. Closed-toed shoes only, no wedge heels. You're permitted, you are not permitted, rather, to wear dresses above your knee and you must wear tights. Women must cover their shoulders as well as wear a hat or a fascinator and only small handbags were allowed for the day. That's a lot of rules, right? Oh, uh, men have one more, I forgot. Uh, No swords were allowed to be brought. Gotta leave them at home for this royal wedding. There's a lot of ways that things can go wrong at royal weddings, and today in Jesus' parable, we see another way that things go a little off track. The king's throwing a party. It's a wedding. It's one of the most festive times for the community of people, and he invites all these people. He calls them together, but 
they're not really interested. And so he sends this group of servants and shows that he's serious about this party. He's got the best DJ. He's got the tallest cake. He's got more food than you could ever imagine. It's going to be great. And the servants are met with nothing. Everyone kind of disregards it. One goes back to his farm, another to his business. Some had to go wash their hair. A couple had some paint they had to watch dry. Someone even further to kill the slaves sent to invite them in. So the king says, well, the wedding is ready, but there are no guests to come, so invite everyone. It says they go out into the main streets, gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so that the wedding hall was filled. Guest lists are out the window. Standards of attendance are scandalously lowered so that anyone is around can attend. Now, many commentators at this point mention that the connections are meant to be made between this wedding feast and the wedding feast that is described at the end of the book of Revelation. There's rejoicing across the whole multitude of heaven. The wedding of the Lamb and the bridegroom has come. It's meant to symbolize this great joining of all of God's creation in unity with one another. It's what we pray for when we pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That great rejoicing and unity That can only happen in God's reign. The invitation has gone out to all, both good and bad, so that all of creation is invited to the party. It's this abundantly gracious invitation that goes out to everyone who can be found, to let them know that they are welcome. It says when the king comes out, the king notices a guest who is there who's not wearing a wedding robe. We don't know why. We don't know the the circumstances that has brought him there. But presumably wedding robes were pretty easily accessible since everyone else managed to put one on. So the king goes and addresses him, asks him, did you miss the wedding robe booth on your way in? My friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? The king addresses him in curiosity. He's wondering, well, how how did this happen? I wonder if the king is thinking that the the servants messed up, maybe may have missed someone on their way in. But the man doesn't respond. He says he's speechless. He doesn't have an answer. And it's only after this response that the words of judgment come. I think it's easy for us to focus on the judgment that comes in these parables, right? But I wonder what happens if we remember that the king doesn't lead with judgment. The king leads with wide open invitation. Judgment is only rendered when the grace is refused. And this feels like it's true for more than just the guests refusing to attend the wedding banquet. It feels like part of this parable is about what happens when we refuse God's invitation to grace. But in refusing the invitation to God's grace, I wonder if we're not already living in an outer darkness. 
of our own making. We can certainly say no to the gracious invitation of Jesus, just as people do in the parable, but we also know that life apart from God's grace is a life that is lacking the abundance that comes from God's table. We hear in the Isaiah reading, we hear in Psalm 23, we hear of this feast, this banquet table set forth of abundance and mercy and grace, more food than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And yet we also hear that there are people who would refuse such a thing. A lot of times we can refuse to live in God's grace without even realizing it, I think. Our lives are certainly filled with things that can keep us busy and well-occupied until that final wedding banquet begins. Sally Brown is a preaching professor at Princeton Seminary. She gets at this point so succinctly. She says, everyone is worthy of an invitation. The invitation is scandalously broad. In fact, there are only two ways to end up on the outside of this party. Either you disregarded the invitation completely, or you imagined an invitation this broad could not be worth much. So you stumbled in, still dressed for the gym, in case the party was a bore. I appreciate this, because it gets at the fact that while this may seem on first hearing to be a parable about God's judgment, we do tend to focus on the binding hand and foot and casting into outer darkness. It can also be said to be the way about the ways we respond to the gift of God's grace with a kind of indifference, which can certainly happen. And yet the invitation is always there for us to repent, to turn around and go in a new direction, to commit and recommit to following Jesus and centering our lives on the abundant grace found at his table. There's an Episcopal priest named Robert Capon who writes so beautifully about the parables and about this parable in particular. He writes, There is therefore now no condemnation to the world as it is held in Christ Jesus because there is nothing in the world, neither height nor depth nor any other thing, and especially not our long since canceled sins, that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The entire world is home free at the eternal party, he says. The only ones who will not enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb are those who, in the very thick of its festivities, refuse to believe they are at it. The only ones who will not enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb are those who, in the very thick of its festivities, refuse to believe they are at it. Beloved of God, may you see and know the abundant grace that God holds for you in Christ Jesus. May you rejoice always in this grace as Paul has written to us in Philippians. May we hold close to that closing promise in Psalm 23. That surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so we say thanks be to God. Amen.